0: Continue our teaching, our study on the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Gospel of John, chapter 11. <clears throat> but if you did see the bulletin this morning, the title is of my sermon, The Tears of the Triumphant. If you see the bulletin? It's not The Tears of the try up um uh, Lindsay and I were joking about that last night, and we had a good laugh. Um, and also the hymn that was printed in there was, that had the wrong number, the 142 and 42, whatever it was, that was my error as well. It's fun to be an imperfect person. You know, I tell that to people at times when they did something wrong, or when they say something, how could so-and-so do this, or, oh, I made such-and-such mistake. It's a good opportunity to use as a springboard for the gospel. There was only one who was perfect, Jesus Christ. There was one who was perfect, and they crucified him, Jesus, the Son of God, the man of sorrows. As we considered our study last week, John Chapter 11, we looked at verse, really verse 17 through 25, 26. Let's look at those verses again. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. This is speaking of Lazarus, if you remember our study. So, Uh, He was there, Lazarus in the tomb. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. There was uh, more people in Jerusalem at this time than perhaps at other times. And it was very close uh, to Bethany. So there was a lot of people going in and coming out. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So they were gathering and grieving. And then we saw in verse 20... Martha therefore when she had heard that Jesus was coming went to meet him but Mary stayed at the house for indeed she was grieving and Martha was as well but she came out to meet the Lord and she says to the Lord Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died even now I know that whatever you ask of God God will give you so not only were they gathering and grieving she had a flourishing faith In Jesus, the Son of God. Even now, I know whatever you ask of God, Jesus, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She had a resolute reply. And then Jesus had a clear and comforting call. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He asks. Do you believe this? And she responds with a Credible commitment that brings us to our study this morning as we will see that she has a tenacious testimony as we will look at verse 27 through 37 this morning let's just read through these first and foremost <clears throat> she said to him jesus after he asked do you believe this she said to him yes lord I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly And went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? Lord, I ask your help this morning that you would give me unction from on high, that you would give me strength, that you would give me the ability to present your word accurately for the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus name amen tears weeping crying sobbing something all of us are familiar with tears of joy tears of sorrow tears of grief tears because of good news Tears because of bad news. Weeping over sorrow for our sin. Weeping over the sorrow for one who will not leave his sin. Some of us shed tears more than others. I was almost brought to tears this morning when Brother Cody texted me early and said, I'm praying for you in the church. Some of you shed perhaps many tears this past week. Some of you haven't cried in a long time. Sin, suffering, grief, sorrow, sympathy. These are all things we're familiar with and can relate to. Yet there was only one without sin, but there are none without sorrow Jesus knew no sin, but he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we consider our study this morning, we remember that from Isaiah 53, which we will be looking at as well. But Jesus, when he asked this question here in John 11, do you believe this? This tenacious testimony came from the mouth of Martha. Martha. Jesus asked an important question after his I am proclamation. Remember, there's seven I am proclamations, this being, I believe, number five. Do you believe this? Her answer is profound. Her answer is not just yes, uh, I believe. Yes, Lord. Lord, ruler. Yes, I, I have believed that you are the Christ. This perfect, active, indicative. It is settled firm in my faith, Lord. I have believed. Same as Peter says in John chapter 6, verse 69. We have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. Yes, Lord, I have believed You are the Christ, the Son of God. Even He who comes into the world. The Son of God. Others have professed this title of Jesus. The chosen one of God? John the Baptist said, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. When Jesus engaged with a man named Nathaniel, he responded with, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus referred to himself as the Son of God in chapter 5. So Martha not only confesses Jesus as the Christ, Lord, the Son of God, but also he who comes into the world, the long-awaited deliverer and redeemer. Remember Peter's confession of Christ? Matthew 16, 16, when Jesus said, "Uh, Who do you say that I am? Peter responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. John the Baptist, Nathaniel, and Peter made some profound declarations for sure, and we would say yes and amen. But Martha here, this dear lady, made such a confession under painful and grieving circumstances. She did not question Jesus, why is this happening? She wasn't one of those who said, I will depart now because things are getting difficult. She was grieving. Let's not leave Martha as the lady who rebuked Jesus and attempted to tell him what to do in Luke chapter 10. She's a woman of faults, but also a woman of great faith. She addresses Jesus as Lord. The I is emphatic. I have believed. It is settled. A faith once given is a faith that remains permanent in her life. An ongoing belief. I believe. Her faith did not stop with a vague statement. She doesn't give a vague, as I mentioned before, she didn't say, Oh, I'm a person of faith. Well, what does that mean? We would say, Martha. Person of faith in what or who? She was very uh, specific in what she said. Do you believe what Martha said? Jesus is my Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. The one sent into the world. She's saying He is the Messiah. The anointed one. Uh, the Christ, the prophet, priest, and king. This is a, she gives a three point explanation from a budding theologian. Leon Morris points out that taken together, these affirmations give us as high a view of the person of Christ as we may may well have. Martha should should be remembered by this moving declaration rather than by her worst moment of criticism and fretfulness. To be clear, Martha probably could not have articulated a lot of theology at this point in her life. At this point in redemptive history, but she believed what she knew to be true, what was revealed to her by God. She knew what she believed, and she believed what she knew. She had a tenacious testimony. It was going to be, it, you could not shake it. And then we see a response that was both the, theatrical and tender. Or we could say theatrical or tender response. Two different responses. Now we move from Martha a bit to, to Mary in verse 28. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Mary was at the house with mourners, when the conversation of Martha and Jesus took place out yonder, she told Mary this in secret that Jesus was calling for her. He was not in the village yet. Why did Mary tell, or Martha rather, tell Mary this in private? Well, there's a few suggestions. Maybe Mary did not want the crowd to know. Because when, the, when a crowd heard that uh, this, this man named Jesus, when he was around, regardless of uh, how they felt about him, they wanted to see what was going to happen. Jesus is here, move out the way, because I'm going. I want to see. What will this man do next? Perhaps she did not want the crowd to get stirred up, not knowing how they would react to this news. Or perhaps it was so Mary could have some time to talk to Jesus alone. Martha grabs Mary. Mary, uh, the teacher is here. She's able to come out and have some time, speak with Jesus alone. Perhaps this is why Jesus stayed outside the village at this time. I don't know. But she tells Mary, the teacher is here. Definite article, the. Mary knew exactly who Martha was referring to. We must uh, think about the context of what was going on when Mary received this news from Martha. And then she took immediate action. She was grieving in her house. Remember, her brother died a few days ago. There were mourners as well in the house. This was no calm, subtle scene. This was no uh, local funeral parlor where everyone is there and, and, and they're grieving quietly and, and such as maybe in our culture we would, we would, we would uh, see, we'd be familiar with. In ancient Jewish custom, it was understood that the family was to hire two flute players and a professional wailing woman. This was At the minimum, even if you uh, were a poor family, this was to be expected. And this family was not poor. So you could imagine it may be more extensive than that. So important point for us to understand, some of this grief expressed at this time in this house was not real. And some of it was. That's why I said theatrical response. Or a tender response. Their grieving, some of their grieving, was worthy of an Academy Award. I could imagine if we did this today in our culture, hired professional mourners. And we said, who, who should we call here? Mrs. Jones? Well, she's been mourning for 45 years. That's the one. She's the best. Call her up. Barclay explains that the type of grieving in the house would not have been gentle, restrained, shedding of tears. It would have been unrestrained, wailing and shrieking, almost hysterically. So there is Mary, truly grieving, seated on the floor or on a little stool. Professional grievers there as well, and some others, no doubt, who who generally wanted to uh, give their condolences as well. And in all of this, this is how it was. This is what you did. And for a certain period of time. But Mary hears that the teacher is here. Does she say, well, he's going to have to wait because I have one more day of this or that. Or all these people are here. No, she responds immediately. It didn't matter that she was in the middle of grieving. When she heard that Jesus was coming and that he was calling for her. She responded immediately. Just as we respond to the Lord, no matter what we are going through in our life, what grief we may be going through, what pain or what hurt we may be going through. When we have the word of God or we have people coming to pray for us, to pray with us, we don't say, well, no, wait till later. No, immediately. I need this. I need this because he is the only one who can comfort me. She immediately goes out to Jesus. Her actions of immediately leaving. This was something obvious. This was something observable to those around her. So what did they do? Well, they followed her. Supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And if she was going to the tomb to weep there, Mary genuinely weeping at the tomb... She just lost her brother. That would be a normal thing to do. Go to the graveside and and weep as she's grieving. But the others, the professionals, would come to wail and lament at the tomb. And they thought, well, if she's going, we'll go as well and we'll participate. So what happens next and what is said next was witnessed by a large number of people. So it was not, as we know, popular to associate with Jesus then. And it is definitely not popular to follow Jesus today. But Mary did not care what others thought. All of those who were there For a purpose. She heard Jesus is calling. The teacher is here. I'm going. Where is my Lord? He's here. She did not, she was not out to win popularity. She was not out to get as close to the fence of the world as she could, to be as worldly as she could, but still have have Jesus tacked on. She wanted to go to worship her Lord and Savior. We saw how Martha responded. Now we see how Mary responded. Verse 32, a tender response. When Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. And guess what she did? Where was she again? And fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Consider the tone of this woman who just lost her brother who was always at the feet of Jesus of where you could find her. And she says this with with that tone of grieving. Three times in the New Testament. We are reminded in in Luke uh, chapter 10 John chapter 12 and here again that Mary was found at the feet of Jesus. And I know I've beat that drum many times I, I, or beat that dead horse but we need to hear it over and over again don't we Martha, her response is with what she said remember what she said when she went out to meet Jesus Mary's response is when what she did she once again was found worshiping Jesus Christ. Martha went out to meet Jesus. She was asked a question. Her answer shows who she was, her tenacious testimony, this uh, flourishing faith of Martha. Mary went out to meet Jesus. She was there to worship Him. And it was obvious. It was obvious And very likely when she reached Jesus and when she fell at his feet, the crowd that was following her saw this. So there was, uh, it was not unclear at all who Mary was following, who her Lord was. This raises a good question for us this morning. Why are we here? Why do we go to church? Why do we come and why do we pray? Are we here to meet Jesus corporately this morning? Through the preaching of the word of God and the means of grace, through prayer. Are we here to meet with the king of kings, spiritually speaking? To worship Him corporately. Mary was grieving, no doubt. In need of comfort by the Lord. Weeping and crying out to Him. Saying the same thing that Martha said, but with a different disposition. Martha standing, having more of a conversation with Jesus. More of a a mind, just very, uh, very intellectual perhaps. But Martha, or Mary rather... She sees Jesus, boom, prostrate at his feet. Both reactions we would say yes and amen to. And Mary, verse 35, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled so mary was indeed weeping wailing lamenting in genuine grief this was a loud weeping her grief was genuine and there were others there who who were weeping loudly and wailing also but had other uh, another mindset some of them were professional Some of them, this is just what they did. But not Mary. It was genuine. So consider that scene, what that must have looked like. Leon Morris reminds us again, it was the habit of the day to express grief in a noisy, unrestrained fashion. With a crowd of people all doing this, there must have been quite a scene of confusion and sorrow. So we have the tenacious testimony of Mary. Forgive me, of Martha. Then we have the theatrical response or the tender response who was of Mary. Now we have the tears of the triumphant one. The tears of the triumphant one. Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews with her who came with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit. And was troubled. Deeply moved in spirit. Deeply moved within. We find this in, in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 1, and Mark chapter 14. It's an unusual verb. And it's a verb that I'm going to try to explain um, best as I can in a short period of time to get us the, the picture of what it was. He, he groaned loud in the spirit. This verb also... Occurs in the Septuagint in Daniel chapter eleven verse thirty of violent displeasure. It has also been referred to in Greek to the snorting of horses. When applied to humans, it implies outrage and indignation. So we ask, what indeed was Jesus going through at this point in time? Well, it's possible that Jesus was. Angry of those who were hypocrites at that moment. Or angry over sin and death because Lazarus was indeed dead and they were mourning over him. Possible? Or is it more than that? They, those that were there, were grieving those who were lost were grieving as a lost man without hope. You know that we who are Christians, we grieve differently than those without Christ. We try to comfort those without Christ who are grieving the best that we can and with prayer and with tears. But we grieve differently. he was deeply moved in spirit in himself and was troubled he troubled himself he one scholar says he shook under the force of it and this agitation within and he said where have you laid him they said to him lord come and see and verse 35 gives us more insight In the shortest verse, Jesus wept. Now Jesus was not wailing. Jesus was not lamenting loudly. He shed tears. Brought to tears over this. Tears poured down his face. Shortest verse in the Bible, yet profound in many ways. Jesus was fully man. He felt. He wept. Jesus was concerned. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. The text tells us so. James Boyce says, Jesus wept and thus revealed a God who enters into the anguish of his people and grieves with them in their afflictions. Again, I repeat this. Jesus wept and thus revealed a God who enters into the anguish of his people and grieves with them in their afflictions. This man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. As we consider that quote by James Boyce, God who enters into the anguish of his people and grieves with them in their afflictions, Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form of majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. This is speaking of the Lord who would come, but he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore. Christians, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. And whatever sorrow you may be going through this morning, Jesus cares for you. Yet we ourselves esteemed, him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. And he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him one of the greatest chapters we made his will keep going he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. As he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. And he will divide the the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors hallelujah what a savior this man of sorrows who came for us in Matthew he uttered the terrible woes yet could grieve over the city of Jerusalem here in John 11 grieving over the fact that that those he loved were grieving he cared for them He wept for them, revealing His humanity, indeed His perfect humanity. There are things in which Christians ought ought to weep over. Richard Phillips reminds us that being a Christian makes us not less human, but more human. Jesus Holy God was truly a man. He was born of a woman, the virgin birth. He grew into a man. He hungered. He became thirsty. He grew tired. At times, Jesus became angry, yet without sin. Jesus showed compassion to those without a shepherd. Jesus also wept. He knows what it means to feel grief. He knows what it means to be in sorrow. If anyone knows sorrow, it was the man of sorrows. Whatever your grief may be this morning, your sorrow may be, Jesus knows. The man of sorrows entered into our sorrow. Light of the world came down into darkness, opened our eyes so that we may see. So we see a tenacious testimony, unwavering. Theatrical responses of those who did not grieve, but the tender response of Mary, who was truly grieving. The tears of the triumphant one, Jesus Christ. And then a trusted or tepid reaction. A trusted or tepid reaction. As we consider John eleven. Once more. Verse 36. So the Jews were saying, see how He loved him. See how Jesus loved Lazarus. They only knew what they could see. They knew that He loved Lazarus. They did not know all the reasons why Jesus Had wept at that period of time. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? We know from verse 5 that he loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Jesus is the Son of God, He is Lord, He is Savior. And even so, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Where this man of sorrows bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities by his wounds we are healed he himself bore the sins of many and interceded for the transgressors God became man entered this world the light of the world does that reach your heart this morning wherever you are in your walk with or without Christ this morning years ago a Christian woman traveled to North Africa as a missionary among the Muslims in Tunisia. She persisted through years of difficult labor in that hardened land. Her approach was simply to show Christ's love to people and to seek opportunities to tell them about Jesus. One young Muslim man took English classes with her, and every week as she taught him, she spoke about Jesus. The man listened but remained unmoved. This went on for months. Until the time drew near for him to go away to college. Just before he was leaving, he dropped by to say goodbye and thank the Christian woman. They had tea, and she took this final opportunity to appeal to him about his salvation. But he once again politely refused to consider the gospel. After a while, he got up and said his farewell, walked out the door, and headed down the path. But then he stopped and looked back and saw his teacher standing at the door with tears streaming down her face. Overwhelmed by her great love for him, he resisted no longer. Returning to her living room, he soon had his heart open to receive Jesus, his Lord, as Lord and Savior. Could it be, James Boyce asks, could it be that Christ's love for the lost a broken hearted love that feels and weeps is the missing ingredient and in our witness of Christ's gospel. Weeping itself is not the answer, he says, but possessing the heart of Jesus, a heart that is able to shed che- tears, is essential to our ministry of his grace to the world, to our neighbors, and to our own children. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, In the days of his Flesh. speaking of Christ he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death and he was heard because of his piety or his godly fear Jesus shed, t- shed tears near the tomb of Lazarus Jesus became deeply grieved in his soul to the point of death distressed in the Garden of Gethsemane, before His crucifixion. Jesus, the man of sorrows, entered into our sorrow. Every sorrow that you may know, He knows. And He can minister to your heart this morning. Christians, He knows. He knows what the sorrow is. He knows. And one day in glory, The lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd and will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Because of his shed tears, ours will be wiped away. Do you believe Christ? Do you believe he is Lord? Is everyone in here following him this morning? Trusting him? Walking after him? Can you confess like Martha? Do you worship like Mary? Lord, God. A broken and contrite heart you will not despise. Oh, Lord, break our heart for what breaks yours this morning. We would ask this morning, oh, Lord, that whatever tears may be shed, that the knees may be bowed to you, knowing that you are the only hope and the only comfort the hurting. Lord, you ask the question, do you believe this? All in here need to respond to Christ. If they have not responded to Jesus, we pray this morning that you would do a work in their hearts. And for those of us who know you, who follow you, who worship you, thank you for the strength you give us for another day. Thank you that you comfort us as only you can comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.